God is here. Gathered in his name. We gather with hope. We gather with expectancy. We gather knowing that he blesses his word. Nothing, nothing can replace the word of God. That it remains the same. It, it is the foundation. That's where we find truth. It's where we find direction to how to live. It's where we begin to understand who Jesus is. It's where we begin to understand how deep God's love is for us and how long-suffering he is. In Paul's letter to Timothy, by the way, Timothy was a, like a right arm to Paul in the ministry. Paul spoke very kindly of him, very well of him. He spoke about Timothy and his sincerity. People are looking for sincere, sincere hearts today. The world is confused. It's not about how talented we are, but it's about our sincerity and our love, our walk that is genuine. Your witness stems from a lifestyle of your love toward Christ. You will be a witness when Christ is seated on the throne of your heart. Verse 5, chapter 1 of 1 Timothy reads, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Wow. That is really, the that lays it out, how we are to, how we are to live. Did you know that the Bible says this? Oh, no man, nothing except to love. Our responsibility is very simple. And he said to love God with all your heart. And the second, Jesus said, was the greatest command was to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus came to this earth. It was during a very rough time in the world. The nation of Israel was under Roman rule. They were, they were under the bondage. When Jesus surrendered himself during that time, there was what is known as the Roman crucifixion. One of the most excruciating deaths you could imagine. But Jesus, knowing that he would come, looked past that cross to see the future in heaven where anyone who believes on him should not perish, 
would have everlasting life. Jesus knew there would be hang-ups. Jesus knew that there would be problems in the world. Jesus knows there is problems in the world. And yet God says, I will come for you and I will, I will raise you up out of darkness. I will take what is broken, what our lives sometimes make a mess out of, and God is a God of restoration. Thanks so much, guys. Give him a little encouragement. Thank you so much. I'm not here today to focus on the problems. I'm here today to focus on the one who fixes hearts and fixes problems. See, the greatest need in our world today is that the heart of a man and a woman will be in right relationship with Jesus. Because when our heart is in right relationship with Jesus, everything else begins to flow. Everything else begins to fit together. We begin to focus. We begin to do things because we're, we're doing it out of a heart for God, not out of a heart of necessarily of duty or sort of this is the thing we do. But Jesus brought everything to the heart. He brought everything back to what was in the heart out of the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He's talked about the Holy Spirit. That was That's something that we all need every day. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we receive Christ, but there is another level with the Holy Spirit as you wait upon him. You can have more of the Holy Spirit as you seek him, as they did in the early church in the upper room experience. These things, the Holy Spirit knows people. The Holy Spirit knows our minds. The Holy Spirit can give to you the wisdom how to live. The Holy Spirit can give you. I was laying under my truck this week trying to figure out how to line up the, the universal joint to the transmission before they were sheared off going out of the woods one evening. I don't want to talk about all my problems. That would take us all day. Just to remind you, uh, the, pre the preacher has problems too. He gets in trouble with this stuff. It's just stuff. So I'm laying under the truck early in the morning. Lord, this is not working very well. <laughs> I'd get in the truck, I'd start, I'd roll ahead and I'd get under the look, crawl under, I mean, to get, I had to lay down on my back. It just seemed like I couldn't get it, get, get it right. There was four bolts. Now, being the man of God I was, or I am, I, I, I said, Lord, you see me on the ground. You see me right here. Lord, I'm on the ground. I need your help. So I tried it again, to no avail. And I was laying there, put it in neutral, that thought. Came to me, put it in neutral. Sure enough, 
And to put it in neutral, the transmission was free to move, okay? So then I could line the bolts up. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that? I could have got mad, you know? Not to mention that I broke my window when I had to get into it because it, it doesn't, doors don't work. I don't want to get into it. I'm trying to paint the picture. Life is full of problems. Easy to get overwhelmed. And all you think about is the problems. Right now, the news is full, overflowing with problems. And Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Paul says it this way, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right now, the devil loves what's happening in our nation. Division. Tearing down. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I like what Vern said last Wednesday. Something like this. You can't change what's in your heart. The devil can't change only if you let him. No one can take Jesus away from you. When the prophet Daniel saw this command that they couldn't worship, only the image that they made this rule up, when Daniel was consistent in his life to pray, he heard the rule. What did he do? He went home and he prayed. Nothing changed. It didn't matter if they faced the lions then. Well, you know that story. God delivered Daniel from the lion's den. And if God can deliver Daniel from the lion's den, God can deliver you and I from whatever circumstance, whatever bondage, whatever thing may be coming at us. Because God is your source. I'm going to talk today about money. I really didn't mean to say all this other stuff. But I felt I should. Money is a big issue in the world. Jesus talked about money. What did he say about it? Well, he talked about it in Matthew 6. 619 to 21. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is not talking against money. He's talking about the heart towards money. Jesus is not opposed to you having money or material things. What concerns him is that material things have us. If I could define 
contentment. I wrote it out. Being completely satisfied, what I would say the, the definition of contentment is, being completely satisfied because God himself has made one rich so that it doesn't matter what you have, but who has you. In other words, it's the matter of the heart. Oh, sometimes we Norwegians remember when it was simpler, so to speak. Remember when things didn't seem to be quite as crazy. But although there's always been crazy things in the world, there's always been something going on. And the problem, as Ecclesiastes 5.10, the ladies are studying Ecclesiastes, I might as well join them in, join right on with them here. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Now, he who loves abundance with his income, this too is vanity. Now, notice he says, he who loves money. This is a theme. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 15. As he has, he has come naked from his mother's womb, so will he return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Wow, we know that's true. And someone said there will be no U-Hauls in heaven. There will be nothing that you can bring from this world holding people. Boil it all down. Two things that God said are the most important. Love me, love God, and love your neighbor. What would happen if that really began to play out in our world? We wouldn't see the messes in the world. You can't love God and turn around and treat your brother, brother or sister unfairly. It just doesn't mix. That ought not to mix. First John described it. How can you say you love God but you hate your brother? And so I've been trying to keep a good attitude in our circumstances in the world. We know the world is getting worse. In fact, the Bible prophesies that it, in the end times, there will be people, lovers of self, lovers of things that are brutal, lovers of tearing down, lovers, pleasures, self-seeking. On and on it goes. And I want to focus today on couple, three things. Contentment, confession, keeping the good faith, and the word committed comes to mind from this text in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that we have not read yet. But we're leading up to it. What Paul was describing to Timothy, 
than words how to run the church. He was leaving Timothy in charge. He was putting him in place. You will lead this church. This is how you need to conduct yourself. And he warns against this now in chapter 6, the very last chapter of the first letter to Timothy. He says in verse 6, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Listen, we only need a few things. Jesus said it this way, that you're not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself, so to speak. Tomorrow, you have enough trouble one day. The problem is that we begin, if we just begin to focus it on all the problems, begin to begin to get drowned and be so overwhelmed that we cannot find anything good anymore. And we begin to develop this sort of a withdrawal. Listen, my siblings are here today, they would agree with me that our father was probably one of the most content persons we ever knew. Our dad. I could just see him now and mom. And we got along with a lot of things. We didn't know any better. We didn't know how good we had it growing up. Someone said, well, you guys were poor. We didn't know it. Because there was an attitude of thankfulness. Whatever we were, whatever we had to eat was, was great. The dad carried this attitude even when he lost a farm through financial difficulty. He said to me, and I know, I remember, I was just a boy. Don't tell mom, but I'm going to get some mink again. Remember that? What, what was he thinking? I mean, we, we grew up on a mink ranch. What he was thinking was that I will start over. I'm not going to give up. Because he knew his God was his source. He knew what he loved to do and what he wanted to do. And see, that carried on even into his later years, into his 80s and his 90s. Where he told me, I remember as a boy, he told me, someday when I retire, I'm going to make build, I'm going to build birdhouses. It was in his heart. Sure enough, I was still at home. And he started not with birdhouses, I can remember, but he started with a little model ship that he put, you know, you put the thing together inside of a bottle. Unbelievably time-consuming. And that was not enough challenge. After he did that one, he made his own ship. The next ship, he made his own materials. He carved them out of little pieces of wood and took the veneer off of furniture to make the planking on the boat. All this stuff, I, I could see it. And he spent hours and hours because he was occupied. And you'd hear him sometimes talking to himself. Later in his life, they built a little shed for him when they stayed at Linda's. And you'd come to visit him, he would always be there, most likely be in his shed, 
making something. What was it? It was something that he thanked, he was thankful for. He would be happy with a few sticks, a few pieces left over from the job. If you brought him anything like that, he was like a kid with a new toy. What was it? Because he knew his God early in life. He started out with his God, and he rode a motorbike across the country with hope in his heart and desire in his heart just to have an adventure. I'm so blessed to have that kind of a role model. It's not the stuff that you have that makes us rich. It's not how much you have in the bank account. It's not what you drive. It's not the house you live in. It's who lives in this house. You see, Jesus Christ, when he comes into our heart, he takes residence. He ought to take residence. We are no longer our own, and it's up to him now. What do you want me to do? I don't work my way to heaven after I receive Christ. Now he has a work for me to do. Those things need not be confused. We're not saved by works. We're saved unto works. Saved after we're saved. Now we have the sincerity. Now we have what it takes to do the work of God. Otherwise it becomes religious mechanical. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, you can be content if you have food and cover. You know what God has promised to us? is to take care of our needs. Food and clothing. He didn't say anything beyond that, really. He's just saying, I'll give you the basics. Now, I'm not, I don't think God is against having good stuff. What he guards, he he. He teaches us that stuff shouldn't have us. But this is the problem in verse 10. Those who love money, the love of money, the want of it, the, the pushing everything aside, everything else becomes more important. You've got to have the money. Some by longing for it, some by wanting it, some by have, have pierced themselves. They have wandered away from the faith. We sang that first song, the hymn, Come Thou Fount. There's a verse in there, it's always challenging. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. What is that? Well, you say, what do you mean? You, you've been walking with the Lord a long time. You know, you know what? The devil wants to get you discouraged at moments so that you just take Take a little on your own. I want to go a little bit off the path. But I'm so glad for the God that loves us, though we may veer off, maybe we, we may be found in the ditch. We may be sometimes tripped up, but we come back to him. And young people, and we pray for our families, that though whatever, whatever circumstances they've been through, it does not matter because we start over every moment with ask Jesus Christ, forgive us. A new beginning, a new day. This whole country would do well to understand that the wanting of it becomes a snare 
many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The problem, again, is not the money. The problem has always been the attitude toward it. And so what is Paul saying to Timothy? But flee from these things, you man of God. In other words, you are called to a higher calling. You take hold of eternal life to which you're called. You made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. And Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain. That's quite a, that's quite a call. Keeping the commandment without stain or reproach till the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords, and who alone possesses immor immortality and dwells in, a, in a unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see to be to him the honor and eternal dominion. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty. I wanted you to notice, he says, don't fix your heart on riches, but on God, because this riches of this world are uncertain. You and I know how uncertain this world is. Aren't you glad to know that God has an eternal bank account? He has a he has reward for faithfulness. And that he's keeping track. Whenever you do a kind thing, kind word, speak for him, love somebody, you're making a deposit into the heavens account. We're moths and rust does not enter the picture. It's eternal. It's going to be there, storing up for themselves a treasure of good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. You and I are called to be givers. You are called by God to give back toward him. How many have learned that is the greatest joy coming to understand I don't really own anything. He owns it. He lets me have it and be a steward of it, a manager of it. And he's called us to be faithful and do what we are called to do, be what we are called to be. I believe that God is going to reward some of the smallest things that you and I would probably say, yeah, it's no big deal. But isn't Jesus that said, if you give a cup of cold water to a person, there's a reward for that. See, I believe it's like the good Samaritan who taught us the lesson. He went out of the way to, to help the man who was left bleeding on the road, overtaken by robbers, and it wasn't, it wasn't the Pharisee, it wasn't the religious person, 
but it was a good Samaritan. We know it was a good Samaritan. The Samaritans were looked down upon by the Israels, by the Jewish nation, because they were of, of a part of another race. They were, they were mixed in. They weren't full Jewish people. And so they're considered as outcasts. But it was that kind of person because there was something they felt compassion. And so the Lord is saying to us, look for ways in which you can serve and give and you'll be happy. Blessed are those who learn the secret of giving. And so growing up in Christian home, mom, after she gave me my allowance, said, you know, God wants you to tithe. What's that? Well, it's 10% of your income. I thought, whoa, okay, I'll do that. I was getting a dollar every other week or something like that. Two dollars every two weeks. I don't remember for certain. But 20 cents. You know, I started with that, and I kept that. I've kept tried to keep that principle going because I believe God will honor his word of Malachi says, test me in these things. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And we believe that the tithe belongs to where you worship and where you, where you feel God has called you. And so Paul brings in an extra level when they get into the early church and they get into his writings. Now Paul begins to talk about giving out of your heart is what God lays in your heart. I believe the tithe is the merely beginning point. And I've heard of some who have learned and God blessed them. They, they gave and God blessed them more so they kept giving and pretty soon they were able to live on just a small portion of their income and they were giving most of their income away. What a way to, what a way to live. What a way to understand all in all is this. God doesn't want us to say, this is mine. He wants us to say, thank you, Jesus. You provided my every need and through your work. Lord, help me to shine for you. Help me to do my work. All of a sudden, my heart changes because of Christ. I'm not just doing a work for a living, but I'm doing this work to honor Christ. Oh, my. I begin to see my job differently. See how it works. Contentment is really, really realizing if everything was stripped away, if everything was basically all our, all our stuff was taken away from us, how would we respond? And I alluded to my father, who said, I'll start over. Because he realized it was just stuff. And he realized it was just temporal things. You see, the Bible talks about a subject that one day, if the Lord tarries, we're going to face our day, our moment, and where we pass into the next life. 
And Jesus said, I want you to be in heaven with me. And the only way you can get there is through me. And so as we learn through scripture that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. Wherever we're at in our life, wherever we're at in our walk with Christ, my challenge for you and I today is if, if everything was stripped away from us and we just stand before God, you see, that day will come. What he rewards is this, your faithfulness of what he's called you to do. Do your best with what he gives you. As long as he lendeth the breath, he lendeth the strength. If I have a moment to speak, encourage, to love, comes down to Romans 13, 8, Oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. I said three words, contentment, confession, committed. It comes down to this. Our contentment is only in our walk and our relationship with Christ. Our confession means that in Jesus Christ, in Christ the solid rock, I stand. I cannot save myself. I confess my sin. I confess my need for you every day. And then that word committed, no matter what I feel like tomorrow morning, no matter what I feel like when things break down, no matter what changes in the world, it's a commitment that you and I have made to Christ, and it's the commitment that he's made to you because he's watching us. Remember when the disciples were gathering, Jesus was gathering them? One of the disciples, forget the name, which one? He said, I saw you before. He alluded, I saw you. What, 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 what do you mean? I knew you. Jeremiah said, before you were formed, I knew you. Because right now, exactly what the enemy is trying to do is confuse the plans of God. What I say, let's pray this way. God confused the enemy. And he done it, he's done it through Old Testament many times. The enemy of God would come and he would put confusion on them. See, the church right now needs to know where they stand. We can't put our trust in the world. We have to put our trust in God. Right now, the world is falling apart. And I only pray, my prayer is, oh God, help it to bring people to who you are, to know you, to seek you. That's, this is the only good thing. If it, this is what it takes, so be it. Let us be the church. Let us take our stand. We have chosen. These guys are going to sing worship. Let's just take a moment to just wait on him. This song is really talking about the easy, simplifying, making basics, keeping the basics, walking with Jesus. Go ahead. Hallelujah.